Magandang tanghali po sa inyong lahat. Welcome to our online worship service, the Living Word Fellowships online worship service. If you are here today, whether you are in the comfort of your own living room or the privacy of your own bedroom, or probably you are at work today, welcome and worship with us today, albeit it's online, it's virtual. We welcome you uh, with us today. I'd like to thank you, everyone, who keeps on joining us every Sunday and even in our online prayer gathering every Wednesday. Now, today, um, we are actually out of, uh, after a month of being under the circuit breaker, uh, we're now on phase one of the new normal. And I've realized that during this circuit breaker, many of you have discovered your hidden passions or perhaps rekindled your old um, uh, skills, for instance, uh, baking skills, painting, playing musical instruments, or rediscovering new ones, for instance, um, cooking or whatever it is that um, you fancy with or you're engaged with, whatever it is, at least during the circuit breaker, it became very profitable time for you and your family. Or perhaps you just stayed with your family. That's also a blessing that comes from God. And so I say that there's also a silver, silver lining in this um, circuit breaker because we uh, realized that we could have probably more time for ourselves. And instead of uh, commuting, we could use that time to uh, be with our families as well. So there's a silver lining as well. When we discover the essentials, we no longer need to buy new clothes or new toys. When there's something that is broken in the house, we try to fix it because there will be no one or repairman or a shop open to probably buy the things that we need at home. So there's a silver lining to it as well. So whatever it is, let's always look at the positive things that this has brought us. Instead of really lamenting or agonizing on the thought that we are at home or staying at home, perhaps even in the new phase, in phase one, we should be thankful and we should always uh, rejoice in the Lord for all of this uh, brought us great and new wonderful blessings in our lives. Now, um, at this time, we know that uh, as we are in phase one, there are certain rules. We still can't go back to church. And uh, we're sad about that, but happy at the same time that many of you probably had been back to school or to work, so you have probably felt that there's some sense of normalcy again in your life. And with that, uh, just continue to uh, take precautions, and uh, we know that the Lord will protect you. Now, last Sunday, um, Pastor Well discussed with us the doctrine of sanctification, which is simply defined as the process by which a Christian is renewed by God continuously, and that indeed we are all work in progress. Now, Pastor Well also gave us that because of our union with Christ, we have a new life. And because the work of the Spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we are given a new way to live. And because of the providential hand of God in all the circumstances that comes along that come along our way, we were always given a new perspective. So, indeed, salvation is a very trinitarian work, and uh, Pastor led us. 
to understand what sanctification is all about. And I hope you fully grasp this idea because it's important for us to understand that doctrine because um, our proper understanding of that sanctification would lead us to walk in holiness and righteousness. So I hope you have learned something from it. There's something also that I wanted to um, pick on, on the sanctification, because in the order of salvation, sanctification requires a long time. In fact, it might take uh, a lifelong process uh, for it to take place or into our lives, because it could be a lifetime process of sanctification. And, of course, sanctification has an element of it, time. Now, I want to uh, discuss time in, in this manner, because uh, time is very important in, in all of us. It's a basic commodity of life. And there are two basic characteristics of uh, time. First is, time is irreversible. Once you've had it, you can never take it back. So that's one basic characteristic of time. It's irreversible. The other characteristic of time is it's very limited. Each and every one of us is given only 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We don't have the luxury of having an additional time for ourselves. Each and every one of us are equal uh, receiving that time. And so it is irreversible and it is limited. Now, the Bible speaks about time, and the time for everything. And this passage is all about, actually, about the season of our lives. And therefore, I entitled this sermon, The Season of Our Lives. There's a time for everything, knowing full well that time is irreversible and time is also very limited. So, at this juncture, I want us to read Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. And when we read this, we will discover how do we deal with the seasons in our lives? How do we understand how God deals and orchestrates everything here on earth? And we would look uh, into the entire verse, verses 1 to 8, and try to relate them on God's providence and God's um, work in our lives. And so today, may I invite you to read with me um, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. And I will be reading from the ESV version. So let's uh, read. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. 
time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. May the Lord be worshipped and praised by reading of His Word. Let us come to the Lord in prayer now. Father, we thank you today that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, for placing each time of our lives under your care. And so as we look into this passage, may we see you, understand you, and may we see your beauty, your character, so that we may be able to trust you more and more. Open our hearts, illumine our souls, so that we will see your truth today. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Before we start, let us uh, look into the book of Ecclesiastes and perhaps let's dig a bit on the background of this book. Now, this book um, is attributed to a preacher or a teacher. And when we read the entire book of Ecclesiastes, it speaks about the vanity of life or the meaninglessness of life or the meaninglessness of almost everything in our life. It speaks about the temporariness of life, that our life here on earth is transient, it's fleeting, or the fleeting nature or the emptiness of human knowledge, wealth, and power. Now, coming from a teacher or coming from a preacher, for us to say that human knowledge or the pursuit of human knowledge, the pursuit of wealth and power, are just main and mere vanities and they're all meaningless is quite profound because all of us here on earth, I myself for one, we all search for human knowledge, we all search for wealth, we all search for power, whether we like it or not. That's part of our existence as human beings. We wanted to see power, we wanted to grasp it. And now the book of Ecclesiastes speaks about strongly on the pursuit of these things and how vain it could be. And so, uh, this chapter, chapter 3, it's a famous chapter and we usually read and hear this. It speaks about the seasons of human, li human life in relation to the vanities of life. Now, when we look and examine closely this chapter 3, especially the one that I've read, uh, verses 1 to 8, uh, we could see here binaries. Now, if you are studying perhaps literature, you could probably remember that binary is part of structuralism. Now, binary is meaning it's in pairs. And when we look at the pairs presented in this text, in the cataloging of this text, we see that the pairs are not the same. They are in opposites. And the opposites are this, good or bad. Or basic opposite would be hot and cold. But while we see that these are opposite, it appears that these two opposites um, are part of a whole. And so these opposites, born, die, and all of these things present to us this truth. It presents us the reality of our existence, the reality of our human activities. And so therefore, we will discuss them today, these things uh, with you today. So since I'm speaking of binaries or meaning in pairs, I would like to offer you these two things. I will also go into binaries 
And the first binary that we could see here, as we have seen the, the, the enumeration of all the uh, binaries here in uh, verses 1 to 8, we could clearly see that there are two things that this entire chapter 3, particularly chapters uh, verses 1 to 8, is saying. The first of these two things is actually, number one, um, inescapability of human reality. I think that's the first binary. That is what the preacher in uh, verses 1 to 8 is telling us. Now, human realities, as you can probably um, appreciate, uh, human realities are mentioned in almost every line in this verse. It's in every line. They are significant human experience and they are inescapable. And so the reason why I said it is inescapable because, of course, from the word escape, inescapable, you cannot escape. You cannot escape these facts of life. You cannot escape these realities. You cannot escape, of course, the reason why you're here because you were born. But you can't escape when you die. There's two certain things here on earth. They say in a movie called Meet Joe Black, it says there that there are only two things that you cannot escape from life, death and taxes. But here, you cannot escape death. There's also, for instance, the use of the word dance and weep. And we could also see here the way it was even arranged. Now, they do not necessarily made into the order that good will be first. Like, for example, it didn't say dance first and weep first or uh, love first or hate first. Some, there are instances here in the scriptures, and let me just read with you, that they are arranged uh, in a different order. Um, the reason being is that the um, uh, preacher wanted to tell us that this is the reality of human life. When we take a look at this, for instance, the word kill comes first before healing. Where in fact, the words whip first came before laughter. Casting away of stone came first before gathering them again. But in 6, we see that sinking comes first before losing and keeping before casting away. Now, I think there's very beautiful uh, poetic language that was used by the preacher here, by the author of the, of the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, he poetically and beautifully described the realities of life in a continuum. And they are not in necessary, in a necessary order. Because it truly reflects the significant human experience of everyday life. Sometimes being, um, being hated will, be, will come first before you are loved. There are times when you would have to weep first before you can laugh. And there are times that you will laugh before you will weep. So even in the way it was arranged, it was poetically and beautifully um, depicted. The way the author of this book um, wanted to convey that meaning. So in every line, it speaks about human experience. And let's go back to... Uh, the diagram that I'll be showing now on the screen. Now, each 
and every human reality has a responding activity. For instance, love, hate, embrace, not embrace are part of interpersonal relationships. Plan and pluck are economic activity. To weep, to laugh, mourn, and dance are part of our personal emotions. Build our personal endeavors. Cast or gather stones is part of our economic or spiritual activity. To seek and lose our personal actions, to tear and sow are part of human creativity. To be silent and to speak out are part of human expression. War and peace are part of our communal or even global relationships. So when we see all of these things together, we saw human reality and activity. So we see also personal, interpersonal, micro versus macro level, and these realities are inevitable. They are inescapable. So that, I think, what the preacher wants us to take a look. The first binary on this text is this, that the human reality is inescapable. The inescapability of human reality. When I say that, I want us to take a look again on these actions, on these activities, on these realities. Either the reality of your life is brought about first by your personal choices. Of course, you are a human being, you could choose something. And so first is that you are free to choose. And some of the reality that's been brought to your life are brought about by your personal actions. That's number one. Or your human realities or the realities around you are brought about by the people, by the choices of other people which are led to follow or you're led to do. Meaning you're affected by other people's decision. That's also part of our reality. And ultimately, our human reality is also dictated and predicated upon by the acts of God. For instance, being born and to die, to born or to be born and to die are two basic um, elements of human existence that are beyond our powers as human beings. These are acts of God. So, all of this, all of this, the preacher says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for each and every activity. But I think what we fail to gloss and what we fail to appreciate whenever we read this text is this. We often focus ourselves on the activity, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to love, to hate, embrace, not to embrace, so on and so forth. But what we fail to see here is this. The focus, if you will ask me, is not just on the activity. The focus here is time, seasons. And ultimately, what I think the preacher wants us to realize is this. Who controls the seasons of your life? Who controls time? Who directs each and every time 
of your life. So I think that is the ultimate truth behind this. The activity is there. It's a reality. It's inescapable. But a greater reality is this. Who controls this time? Who has the power to order time and seasons of your life? And I think that is the ultimate question here. And so when we say that, and when we ask the question, who controls time, it presents us to the second uh, binary in this uh, text or the second uh, pair in this text. The first one is, I've mentioned, the inescapability of human reality. And the second binary here is this, the truth of divine providence. I say that this text reveals to us the truth of divine providence because of these words which we usually forget as we read this text. The text here reads under heavens and under heavens if we will take a look closely is indicative of God's dominion, preservation, intervention, and control. The word there, at the very first verse, that everything is under heaven, under the heavens, it's indicative already that God is in control. God has a dominion, a power of preservation, a power of intervention, direction, and control to these times and to our lives. Now, um, let us um, define first what is providence. And I will not invent my definition. I will be taking it from the Westminster Shorter Catechism's definition of God's providence. That's been clearly mentioned here or uh, clearly uh, uh, expressed here in this text. And the Westminster Shorter Confession uh, says that God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. So, from the very beginning of this text, it says it's under heavens, and it, before it enumerated each and every activity. So, what the preacher in Ecclesiastes is trying to tell us is this. Everything under heavens, each and every epoch and time mentioned here, the entire human reality, the entire human activity, the cycle of life is dictated, controlled, preserved, governed by God. So you are not left in the cold. Now let me just differentiate Sovereignty versus providence. Sovereignty means the ability of God to do whatever He intends to do and no one could ever stop Him because He is the owner of everything. He is the most powerful being in this entire universe and no one is beside Him. No one could even topple Him. He is the supreme being. And so therefore, no one can stop Him. That is sovereignty. 
But providential is probably under that because providence is God's sovereign act of preservation, involvement, direction, control to the life or to the life of his creatures to bring about his good and perfect will. Sovereignty perhaps would be on top and the providence would be particular act of this sovereign God as he directly involves himself. He directs, he controls the life of his creatures, especially his people, so that he would bring about his good and perfect will. So there is preservation here. There is involvement. There is direction. What the preacher is trying to tell us here and what we have learned from reading verses 1 to 8 is this. In every each season of your life is under heavens. It is under the involvement, control, supervision of God. It is under the providence of God. His purposeful, intentional preservation involvement so that His good will will come about, will happen, and will materialize. What do we learn here is that as we go on to the seasons of our lives, we are not left under the cold. We were not left into the wild and we are tossed by fate, luck, or chance. We're not. God is directly involved in our lives in every season. Whether you are weeping or laughing, whether you're gathering or scattering, whether there's a time of love or a time of, of hate, whether it's a time of war or peace or uh, tear and so, all of these activities are under God's power, dominion, and therefore under His providence. And that should lead us to trust Him, to see His mighty hand, to, to, to summon us, as J.I. Packer will later tell us, that it summons us to trust and obey God. Because God did not leave you out there. You are not alone. God is with you all the way in your life. Now let us see, and perhaps you will understand the concept of God's providence in the life of these two Bible characters. And we will take a look at these two individuals. First, I'd like us to look into the life of Joseph. You know Joseph. Joseph is a boy who had a strange dream. It's an up in his life. It's a motion or movement of, of high in his life. But his brothers got envious and sold him to slavery. That's a downtime of his life. So you will see here the, the S curves of his life. But when he was sold to slavery, he was sold to Potiphar and made Joseph in charge of his business affairs, except, of course, his wife. But of course, there's another down there when uh, Potiphar's wife found Joseph attractive and seduced him. But of course, Joseph having integrity did not um, give in to that seduction and he was thrown into prison. Down moment 
in Joseph's life. Another up in the S curve of the life of Joseph, he became chief of prisoners in uh, inside prison. Uh, he interpreted the dreams of his co-prisoners. And he told his co-prisoners that if ever you will remember me, uh, you will be, you'll be out, remember me, and so that I could be released as well. But of course, he was forgotten. But they were life-changing moments in the life of Joseph, as we have seen that he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and he was assigned, given the task to manage the economy of Egypt. And of course, Later on, he became the second most powerful man in Egypt. And because of that, he was able to save his kinsmen from starvation. When we look into the life of Joseph, we see up and down, twists and turns, the S-curving of, of his life. I would like to ask you, when we see this, as I mentioned a while ago, the realities of human life could be brought about by your actions, the action of others, Ultimately, the acts of God. When you look at the life of Joseph, there was action in his part. He was probably expressive. He expressed his dreams to his brothers, but there were also action by his brothers. His brothers, being envious of him, sold him to slavery. Those were action of others, and that was an action of his brothers. There's another action of other people, where the wife of Potiphar seduced him. But you see how God transformed the life of Joseph. No action of others, no wrong decisions that probably he made in his life, or the wrong decisions made by others that affected him, overruled the great plan of God in Joseph's life. We cannot overrule God's purposes and plans. We cannot overrule His providence. I think that's very clear. We have now seen the convergence in the seasons of the life of Joseph, the highs and lows, twists and turns. He wasn't left alone. God is there with His providence intervening Involving, directing, controlling the life of Joseph. Another person that I want us to uh, examine and uh, take a look at is the life of Queen Esther. Now, Queen Esther is also a proof of God's providence. It is a story where we see God's providence moving, directing, and, and uh, very present. Um, we've seen in the life of Esther that her people were under the rule of Persian. He was, she was unable to come out as a Hebrew, as a Jewish woman, and she actually suppressed her identity. She was told not even to reveal her identity as a Jew. And she was convinced to join the king's harem. And you already know that a harem is not really a very respectable place. In, in uh, What I'm trying to say is that these women inside the king's harem are actually there because they are to serve their king's sexual pleasure. But she was chosen 
to be the queen of Persia. And there were so many women vying for the attention of the king of Persia, King Xerxes. But she won that beauty pageant anyway. And later on, there's another low in his life when um, together with his uncle Mordecai, they discovered the plot of Haman to annihilate her people. And because Esther was at that position to influence the king, to save her people, she was able to save not only her family, but the entire tribe, nation of Israel. You know, this is where we see God's providence is. That God is there in every twist and turns of our lives. Even at times we don't understand things, that God will allow difficult things to happen in our lives as part of the seasons of our life, as part of the inescapability of human reality. God allows certain things, difficult things, things that are beyond our wits and power to understand. God would allow it so that we would see His providence and ultimately to bring about good, His good and perfect will in our lives. And we've seen that in the life of Joseph. We've seen that in the life of Esther. In fact, in Genesis uh, 50, 20, we could read there, and this is, these were Joseph's words. He said, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should, should be kept alive as they are today. So even others meant evil against us. That could not overrule as God intends to bring about good out from that and out from those situations. We could not overrule God's providence. We could not overrule God's power, His sovereignty. He is in every season of our life. He controls the time. Yes, these realities are inescapable. Yes, they, they will happen to us. Yes, they are inevitable. But while they are inescapable, the pain, troubles, and all of this are inevitable. There's also truth. The truth of God's involvement, control, preservation. And that is His providence. You know, no one is immune in this inescapable reality. All of these seasons are brought about as all by God, ultimately. Of course, I do not discount the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, you have real and actual choices, and these real and actual choices of yours will bring about real effects in your life. And also the ac actions of others will affect you as well. But remember this, as what we have read in Genesis 50-20 If evil meant it for bad, God 
can mean it for good, can mean it for good. That is the gist. That in, inescapable part of our lives, God is providentially ruling us all. In this COVID-19 situation, whatever this has brought you, some of you, perhaps, this COVID-19 brought you an opportunity. I saw many people doing online selling. Many of you, and majority, probably lost employment. Perhaps some lost family members in some other countries, in some other spaces. They lost their family through this pandemic, through this virus. Sorrow, sickness, death during this season of our lives. But it could never be out of God's loving hands. So whenever we read this, that's Ecclesiastes 3. This is my final admonition to you. Whenever we read this, let's take a look at these verses. Looking and examining our life seasons in the light of God's providence. We are not left out in the cold to the forces of nature or left around to ourselves to fend for ourselves. As I mentioned earlier, we're not tossed by fate, luck, or chance. There is one good, righteous God whose divine providence sustains us all. You might be also in the season of your lives, perhaps you're on high, a new job, a new baby, you have recently married, passed an exam, all is well now in your life. Rejoice, thank God. You're called by God to thank Him, to praise Him. Or you might be in low. You might be waiting for something that isn't yet happening. You might be sick right now. You might be in pain. You might be in a state of confusion. You might be undergoing trials, financial difficulties, recovering from the death of a loved one. I don't know. But even if you are in that season of your life, even that is inescapable part of your life, have faith, trust, and obey God. Embrace the truth of His providence. The seasons of our lives are inescapable. We cannot escape it. And these are realities, realities we have to face on a day-to-day -day basis. But penultimately, all of these are ordained by God, by God's providential hand. Remember this, to bring about good, to bring about perfection in accordance to His will. As we would read later on in verse 11, it is as 3 and 11. That's why now we understand in verse 11 it says, God made everything perfect in His time. Remember this. Don't just focus on the season, focus on the one who created that season, the one who ordained that season, the one place that time and place each and every activity in each of that pocket of time 
place your full faith and trust to this God. And I will end here and I will call J.I. Packer on this. He said, The doctrine of providence teaches Christians that they are not, they are, they are never in the grip of blind forces like fortune, luck, fate, chance. What happens to us has been divinely planned and each event, each season of your life summons us, summons you and me to trust, obey, rejoice even endure, knowing that all is for the spiritual and eternal good of us. And so that in Romans 8.28, so that in all things will work together for good for those who love Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, may the peace of God reign in your hearts. And in whatever season that you are right now, in the inescapable realities of our human existence, there's truth that God's providential hands will always be there. God is always involved. God always controls our lives. He has a dominion over us. And He will sustain us all. He will carry us through. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this moment and time that we are together. Lord, may we remember this truth, that while we are in the season of our lives, twists and turns, ups and downs, the high and lows, may we embrace the truth that you are with us always, and that you have allowed everything so that you will bring about your good and perfect will in our lives. Father, we trust you. Indeed, Lord God, you're summoning us that in each and every event of our lives, we should trust you, obey you, come to you, surrender our lives to you, whether they might be good or they might be bad. Father, let us hold on to your promise that there will be one day that our seasons, our life here on earth will be over and you will bring us to glory. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more witnesses. There will be no more hate. There will be no more death. Only life in paradise. Be with your people today, Lord, whatever it is that they're going through in the seasons of their lives. Comfort them, be with them always. We worship you. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. With that, uh, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is summoning us to trust, obey Him in all the seasons of our lives. Let us receive the Lord's benediction.
Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand in his presence blameless and with great joy. To the only God our Savior, to Jesus Christ our Lord, be all glory, power, and majesty, dominion, and authority, both now and forever. Amen. So, Father, may the meditation of our hearts, the utterance of our lips, be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God bless you, everyone. We will see you again next week. And thank you for joining us again in uh, the Living Word Fellowship's online worship service. Always say this, love God and love His people.